Chapter 17 Ephemeral Wealth A door slammed in the corridor outside. A man grumbled while a woman shouted after him. Each disturbance drove the prick of a nail into Turin's head. She cracked an eye open. Sunlight pouring in through her room's window made her regret the act. The open shutter let a chill inside. Random garments lay flung about the room, some draping over empty bottles. What did I get into last night? A question she asked herself often as of late. A question she never felt up to dealing with either. She shut her eyes and rolled over to her side only to press up against the skin of a muscled body. Her bed at the perched eagle was the largest she had ever slept in, and she hadn't noticed anyone's presence until then. He was entirely nude, so was she. She frowned and squinted at the man next to her. It took her waking mind a moment to recognize Yuka's. He lay on his back, broad chest exposed outside the blanket. His tan southerner skin was near hairless. Young, only freshly recruited into the guild guards, with a sharp jawline. His appearance made it clear why she kept finding herself in this situation time and time again. Unfortunately, sooner or later those cute lips would wake up and start talking, a depressing reminder of why she regretted it every time. Too bad a sharp mind didn't accompany the young guardsman's salivating features. In any event, she didn't want to deal with him either. She rolled over to face the other direction and smiled at what she found. Even in sleep, Jasna had an alluring charm about her as she breathed through pouty lips. Her smooth, dark skin covered every curve on a figure that Tarin wished she could possess herself. She never had worked the titch out of her system after crossing paths with the companion at the Shield Bearers Guild. After only a few days into her bender of booze and frivolous coin spending from the Heartstone job, she made it a priority to track down the seductress that taunted her dreams. Terin had indulged in the companion's presence almost every night since. The tiny pricks of nails accumulated into a steady throb in Terin's head, chasing away her reminiscent smile. If she didn't get something strong into her, she would slip into a hangover that had been put off for a couple waves now. She crawled over Jasna and out of bed, taking care not to wake the woman, yet she stirred anyway. Go back to sleep, Turin whispered. Jasna moaned what might have been a scent or an invitation. Turin searched for something to wrap about her naked body. She found Yukaz's cloak, though it smelled of old sweat, dirt, with a hint of stables. She didn't care what other women said, she did not find the scent of a man's sweat alluring. Yuka's probably hadn't washed the blasted thing since he started as a guardsman. She abandoned the cloak despite the chill and progressed into a thorough inspection of every bottle scattered about her room. Dry as a desert, each one of them. One rested on the table that might still have a drink in it. She turned it up to her lips, face twisting in disappointment, barely enough to wet the palate. The bed shifted as Jasna arose. She held a cotton sheet wrapped about her body. Looking for something, she asked. Tarin leaned back against the table and eyed the woman. Somehow, the way she held that sheet against her curves made her even more alluring. It made Tarin self-conscious, knowing that she couldn't possibly look so attractive upon first awakening. She held up the empty bottle. Nothing I have here. I need to make a trip for supplies. The companion crossed the room, 
her eyes taking in Tarin's body. She had forgotten about her nudity and tried not to squirm under Jasna's gaze. She delicately traced a finger over a scar from a knife wound on Tarin's abdomen. The touch set her body alight with fire, squashing the room's chill. Jasna spoke low, we could skip the booze this time, and just make a day of it in the sheets. Tarin fought to keep her body from trembling. She forced her voice to remain level, I suppose we could do that. Though the growing pain in her head said otherwise. Yukas shifted and muttered something in his sleep. Tarin nodded at the bed. Perhaps we leave him out of this round. Besides, I think his shift at the south gate starts soon. Jasna glanced back over her shoulder then shrugged, letting the sheet fall a few inches. We don't need him for what I have in mind. Tarin smiled and reached for her coin purse. She hadn't paid the companion for at least a wave now, but Jasna hadn't asked either. Regardless, Tarin's head had started to crack open, and she needed to do something about it. If it continued down its current path, not even Jasna's sensual caress could overpower it. Tarin hesitated at the weight of her purse. She opened it and scowled at the contents, only a handful of bronze coins and one silver ember, no crowns or gold pieces. Hadn't she filled it two days ago? What day was it anyhow? Come to think of it, which wave of air were they even on? She needed to rectify her coin situation and perhaps grab a bottle on the way before indulging in her friend's company. I have to run an errand first, she said and began pulling on her pants. They were made from a black leather, a thinner material used in the south, and with stitching up the sides that could be loosened to breathe during the heat of the fire season. You're right, Jasna said, who handed over a fresh white shirt from the closet. The first ships after the stormwall should be arriving with goods soon. I need to check in with the guild and my associates so I can secure work before the season changes. Tarin put on the shirt and avoided the companion's gaze. She never had thought of Jasna with someone else, despite that it was her profession. Worst of all, Tarin hated how that thought now made her feel. You know, you don't have to. I could cover you for a time. She said, putting on her belt and knives. The reply didn't come at first, then Jasna chuckled, such a rich sound. You're a mercenary, darling. I know you don't have that much coin floating about. Besides, even though I'm a companion of the night, I only do what I must. I'm planning to mainly work as a facilitator during the coming seasons. Don't you worry about my job, and I won't fuss about you doing mercenary things, like bashing people over the head or whatever you do. Say, when was your last job anyway? Tarin donned her leather jacket and thought it over. The woman made a good point, even if she hadn't meant to. Tarin had been carelessly throwing coin about taverns and hadn't worked a day since selling the heartstone. If Jasna had taken notice, then surely others would too, like Tashwin. I've got a couple jobs lined up, Tarin lied. Jasna took on a contemplative expression. Seriously, my network and connections in this town are second to none. I could find work for someone like yourself among them if you're interested. It'll be easy coin compared to any guild contract you'll find. The offer tempted Tarin, though she didn't so much need easy coin as she did a very public means at earning a purse. Yukas muffled a snore before rolling over. Tarin glanced his way and said, 
thanks, but I got this covered. Think you could make sure Muscle sees his way out for me. Jasna slipped on a red kaftan and began wrapping an orange sash about her midriff, accentuating her figure beneath the bright fabric. Her gaze flickered to the slumbering guardsman then back to Tarin with raised brows. Oh, so I'm your seneschal now, am I? The companion chuckled and walked over to Tarin, grabbing her jacket's collar and straightening it. I suppose we could play that game next time. Jasna leaned in to kiss Tarin, and it took everything to not melt at the touch of those lips. Tarin played it off with a shrug. Yeah, I suppose we could. Then walked out of her room before she said anything stupid. Patrons enjoying midday meals filled the tavern below. The chatter and clink of cutlery antagonized her head. The tavern keeper shouted at her over the den. Ignoring him, she waved a hand, muttering for him to piss off. Not only was the day half over, but an unusual sight for the air season greeted her outside, the sun. Wispy clouds covered most of the sky, though they somehow missed a large patch where the sun glared down at her. She wanted nothing more than to crawl back into her bed and sleep till nightfall, but she needed to refill her purse. Thoughts of going back to her room, made her think about the odd bedfellows she had been keeping. Yuka's was no mystery. A young and handsome guild guard, full of muscles and energy. He lacked any worldly experience, and he didn't have the brightest of minds. But once she got a few drinks in her, all she saw was that chiseled jawline and sharp uniform. But Jasna, that woman was another story. The companion started as an intrigue, something Tarin couldn't wiggle free of. And once she had a taste, an unquenchable thirst developed. She had never felt that way towards another woman, let alone a companion. But when they laid in bed together, she didn't talk like a companion. It felt real, and that was the problem. Jasna's job relied on her ability to hook clients and lure them back for more. Was that all this was? Tarin didn't want to answer. She had become addicted to the drug of Jasna. Tarin shook her head, silently chiding herself for acting like any rookie merc of every company she had ever worked for. Maybe the companion had a point when she spoke of Tarin's lack of work. Finding a job might distract her from these foolish indulgences. She wove through the crowded streets, taking a rehearsed path that led through shops, out back doors and through narrow alleys. She doubted that Tashwin had pulled his lackeys off her already. Like her boss before her, she found a section of warehouse to lease and hide her coin within, and she didn't plan on letting its presence become known to anyone. She took care to ensure it didn't sit within the Lord of the Dock's territory and leased it under an alias. The pounding in her head had grown to a steady thrum of deep bass by the time she reached her warehouse. She muttered curses at herself and anyone else who came to mind while pulling each wallboard free to retrieve the ornate chest. She came to a full stop upon opening it. The contents seemed considerably less than what she recalled. More than a third of her coin had vanished. Had someone found the stash and made off with some of the coin? No, they would have taken the whole lot of it. Had she really spent so much in only a few waves? Her head protested the agonizing task of recounting and inventorying the entire chest to see how much remained, but it needed done. Two hours and two full counts later, Tarin wandered befuddled out of the docks district and back to her inn. 
Nearly half of her coin was gone. It was supposed to last her for years. Elements, it should have lasted a decade. And the worst part, she couldn't remember where in her haze of drunkenness she had spent it, nor did she have anything to show for it aside from new clothes. She passed crowds of people as she walked down the avenue and into the merchant square by the main gate. She shielded her eyes with a hand. That blasted sun hadn't retreated, and squinting wouldn't suffice. The crowd egged the persisting headache on, as merchants yelled over their rivals claiming the best deals this side of the marshes. Turin growled and drew the attention of a nearby vendor. The female merchant called, Come now lady, don't fight the sun, welcome it with a beautiful hat. I've got styles from every corner of Huerin and of a quality to make the gods jealous. While not in Turin's plan, acquiring a hat intrigued her. She stumbled over while trying to ignore the woman's sales pitch. She had the appearance of a marshlander and spoke rapidly. Most Runeport merchants came from the Gastolian marshes. Her dark hair mostly hid within a fluffy blue hat, that looked to be made from multiple wraps of a common piece of fabric. Tarin browsed the hats, bright and colourful. Some made from chasm silk shimmered in the sunlight, while decorative feathers and ribbons exploded from others. She disliked all of it. They all looked so, garish, even for her recent expensive tastes. Then her eyes fell upon a simple, black hat. Its domed crown had a smooth, almost perfectly spherical shape. A large brim extended out on all sides that sagged slightly but not enough to block the wearer's vision. The fabric didn't shimmer like chasm silk, but its surface flowed in a complicated weave of placid texture, like a still lake's waters. Ah yes, that's a fine one yes my lady, the woman said. Made for you and only you from the best craftsmen in Gastolia. He spends thirty hours a day on his work maybe more. There isn't a finer hat in Runeport or dare I say the southern empires. The woman's voice rolled on while Turin focused on the hat. A simple leather band, dyed green, wrapped around the base of the crown and was stitched into the fabric. It drew her in. That green, it held a shade she hadn't seen in years. A shade of perfection, something the south was devoid of. Not even the towering trees in the Illyrian mountains captured it properly. She had not seen that shade since leaving home. It meshed perfectly with the forest outside her cabin as a child. The same forest she would disappear into when her father fell into one of his fits. Her brothers would suffer the blows in those moments of solace, but she still ran, ran deep into the forest, in the midst of ferns and vines, across boulders, and fallen trees swallowed in thick carpets of moss. She could smell it now, the fresh leaves of maples and chestnuts, and the blanket of safety they offered. The hat shifted as the merchant snatched it off a hook, snapping Turin from her revelry. The fabric is thrice woven and thrice layered with marsh silk. You could wear this in the monsoon and not get a drop of water on that beautiful hair of yours nor will it lose shape. The merchant caressed the brim with her fingers. The finest hat for a lady such as yourself. All right. Just shut up, Tarin growled. What do you want for it? For this beauty, my kin braved the murky waters, fighting off black noggers in the swamps to retrieve the silk pods. You will be hard-pressed to find a better. Lady, I said shut it. Tarin said, pressing fingers to her temple.
Every merchant spun the same tale, whether it involved fighting off noggers, chasm wyrms, or creatures conjured from myth. More likely, this merchant had dug the silk cocoons out of a pile of nogger shit that washed ashore. Tarin's throbbing head intensified making her wince. In a tone of forced calm, she said, I get it. It's a nice hat, but you're making it lose its appeal. Just tell me what you want for the damn thing, so I can get out of here. The merchant straightened into a dignified pose. With an attitude like that, it will run you one ember and five. Fine. A silver ember and five bronze it is. A gold ember. This isn't some piece of felt garbage, it's marsh silk. Tarin didn't know if the woman's thieving prices or the headache annoyed her more. She opened her coin purse and frowned at the thought of spending so much right after filling it. She groaned and shot the merchant a look of murderous intent. Tarin pulled on Molly's reins as the animal lumbered behind her, towing a small cart loaded with her belongings. Her head didn't so much pound as it roared like a volcano ready to erupt. She never thought it possible to have such a shadow-cursed day after waking up in the company of that morning. At least she didn't have to do it under the glare of the sun. Granted, her bitterness about getting out bartered for the hat lingered. It turned out that the perched eagle's tavern keeper had tried to flag her down because of the tap she had ran up since moving into the luxurious suite upstairs. The room had been paid for upfront. As for her nightly activities in the tavern down below, well, she still hadn't figured out how she had managed to run up a tab equivalent to a season's worth of merc wages. She could have paid him and settled the matter, but her principles said otherwise. Besides, she'd then need to go refill her purse again. Having to trudge through that cursed market square and along her secretive path once more would make her head literally explode. So, she told the tavern keeper to get lost in the shadow. Throughout her packing to leave, he spouted a steady stream of threats to report her to the guild of the hearth fire. It had little effect on her, save for the proverbial spike that the shouting drove into her head. She did at least, with great difficulty, subdue the urge to stab that blabbering idiot with her knife. Tarin pulled up in front of the dead marsh. Weathered panelling was crudely patched outside, a reminiscent feature of the clientele that frequented the drinking hall. Molly snorted and Tarin glared at the animal. Knock it off. It isn't that filthy. The dead marsh wasn't only an old haunt of hers but one for all mercenaries in Runeport. Compared to the perched eagle, the rooms at the dead marsh weren't as big, the beds harder, walls thinner, and floorboards squeakier. But it was cheap, and she knew the owner would be reasonable and straight with her. The familiar smell of a tavern not scrubbed properly for a season greeted her upon entry. Exhausted, angry, and dying for a drink, she paid one of the tavern staff to stable her horse and carry up the chests to her new quarters. The tavern already held a decent crowd of her former guildmates. They drowned themselves in Arik while fondling the mildly pretty companions, who came to work some coin off the afternoon crowd. Aside from sailors, mercs made for the easiest targets to swindle out of their earnings. Tarin could always tell who was about to go on a big job based on how far they indulged in their fancies. Tarin Robson, a gravelly voice said as she scanned the interior, eventually finding the speaker behind the bar. Eakin was the innkeeper and tavern owner. 
A former Mac captain himself, he set up his business geared to target his former guildmates. His black hair was tied in a knot at the back. Grey streaked the sides of his head and mixed prominently in his long goatee. His tavern didn't bother with security. The thick muscles under his beige cotton shirt, spotted with old stains, said he could handle whatever the drink stirred up. Though, the steel mace dangling from his hip also helped. Eakin, give me something strong if you got it, she said and slumped onto the bar. That good of a day, eh? I've got some Arik I brewed myself. She eyed him threateningly for even mentioning Arik, then said, whiskey. Something authentic and none of that imitation piss you southerners claim to make. He gave half a grin before disappearing into a cabinet. While watching him set a bottle and cup out, she thought back on her main problem, aside from her mind-splitting headache. She needed a means to earn some coin, or at least give off the pretense of doing so. Tashwin would eventually wonder where her steady supply of coin came from. Elements, he probably already did. That led to the next question, why hadn't he done anything about it yet? Finding the clay cup filled before her, she snatched it and threw back the contents. She barely acknowledged the taste, instead welcoming the burn down her throat. Eakin eyed her with a raised brow, but she only rolled her eyes at him and refilled the cup herself. A barmaid called out an order from across the room, and he nodded in reply. Giving Tarin another glance, he said, I had your stuff brought up to the second room on the right at the top of the first landing. She nodded her thanks after tossing another drink back. He walked off to return to running his established and she went ahead and poured another drink. Maybe the bottle before her held the answer to her problems. It probably did, and she guess it waited somewhere near the bottom. It's a bit early for drinking of that level, even for you, a man said as he pulled up alongside her. Thomas Dunn's voice was a bit too sophisticated for a merc, and his old imperial a bit too polished. Likewise, the long tunics and pressed trousers he preferred were a bit too clean. Still, out of everyone in the guild, he might be the only one she considered trustworthy, if not even a true friend. We all have our days, she said and took another drink. He took a sip from his mug, somehow not managing to get a drop on his cleanly shaven face. She never understood why he went through such measures to stay so well-groomed, including his regularly trimmed dark hair. It made him appear too dignified for a man in his profession. He didn't have the look of a southerner. His hair was dark enough, but his complexion came a shade too light. He hailed from somewhere in the east like Tarin, Barmal she thought but couldn't remember. Elements, I haven't seen you in a few seasons, he said and paused to take in her attire. And despite re-emerging like some ghost from the marshes, you seem to be doing pretty well for yourself. She shrugged, not sure what to say. She had hardly crossed paths with anyone from her old life in recent waves. Perhaps the right words would come to her with the next cup that she began filling. Thomas eyed her cup and bottle, obviously wanting to say something. Probably to chide her for bad habits. She paused before pressing the cup to her lips. Go on then, out with it. His lips twitched into a brief smile before looking about the tavern. There's been some rumours floating about the guild hall. He let the comment annoyingly hang between them. And what are those, she asked before finishing her drink. 
that you've come into some coin recently. The how has been a topic of debate. Heard a man from the Silver Swords Company say that you offed your gun to get at his entire stash. She spilled a bit of her next paw in startlement. What? Who said that? I think it's best for everyone that I don't say. Only telling you as a courtesy because I like you, he said. Even her former guildmates were talking about her. She would soon find herself floating face down in the marshes if she didn't figure out a way clear of her current situation. Maybe she needed to take Jasna up on her offer of work. So, is it true? Thomas asked. For the shadow's sake. No, it isn't true, Turin snapped. He held up his hands in a defensive gesture. Easy, just trying to clear the air. She took another drink and gathered herself. Jorgen didn't need my help in getting himself killed. It happened on our last job. The whole damn company bit it. I had some coins saved up and gear from the job that I pawned off. I've been taking it easy since then. That snake Tashwin cleaned out Jorgen's stash though, not like there was much in there to begin with. Thomas grimaced. I've heard of Tashwin. I'd steer clear of him if I were you. Was Jorgen working with him? She shrugged. I don't think I ever fully knew what Jorgen was up to as of late. And she meant it, thinking about how he had tried to cheat her. Normally a drink with Thomas brightened her mood, but this occurrence only managed to sour it further. She decided to change the topic and ask about the latest guild news and gossip, aside from herself. Though she didn't really care about any of it. She only half listened while he cautiously talked about his own troubles, which led him to change companies a couple seasons back. He was too polite to ever verbally trash his employers, even the former ones who abused their contract with him. He now worked for Ashura's guard and found the situation just as displeasurable as his previous employer. She did find some amusement in that at least, commenting, why do you keep on bothering with all these swindling companies? You've been working out of Runeport for how long? Eight? Ten years? Why not just go on and start your own company? As soon as the words left her lips, it triggered a series of fanciful thoughts about her doing just that. Though she didn't have the slightest idea on how to go about it. Thomas's lips pursed into a frown. In some respects I could, I mean now that Jorgen's license is freed up. What do you mean by that, she asked, growing eager. It's how the guild operates. The only issue so many licenses to companies. With Jorgen's company gone, there is one available. Though, I couldn't really do it. I only just signed my contract with Ashura's guards. She only half listened to him, too excited to focus fully. She suspected the real reason he hadn't moved in lay with the fact he was too nice, too noble in his ideology. To run a merc outfit you needed to be an ass. On occasion that meant you needed to slap someone upside the face instead of shaking their hand. Thomas's blood didn't naturally flow that way. But what if you did do it, she asked. What would you need? His brows knit together in thought. I'd need to scrounge up some coin, a considerable amount. Then there's the connections with the guild masters, blacksmiths and craftsmen for weapons and gear, he rattled on going through hurdles and risks, but she stopped listening. 
She knew people, knew the names of every shop owner that could supply what a company needed. She had run the pickups and exchanges for Jorgen's orders after all, even got him some coin back with her bartering skills in the process. And as for coin of her own, well, for the moment she still had that in ample supply. Could her solution be that easy? She had worked as a merc ever since leaving her home. She could just keep on doing that, on the surface at least, while enjoying her recent reward. Tashwin's suspicions would subside along with all the rumours. Elements, she would probably get richer in the process. She watched her friend continue with trivial details and grinned for the first time since that morning. Yes, her day was turning out to be not so bad after all.